Good morning, church. How we doing today? You're good as long as you're not a gator, right? Oh, all right. Come on, let's stand up. Let's praise Jesus in this place today. And praise is the operative word. Come on, let's get on.
church let's pray God we're just thankful we're so thankful God that you don't fail us that your promises are true that your love towards us is fierce and Lord as we enter September and fall season God we know that you're doing new things Lord, we're constantly reminded of the enemy about the things that that burden us and weaken us. And God, you've called us not to have a spirit of fear, not a spirit of timidity, but Lord, of, of strength, of love, of power. And so God, we say hello to you this morning. Hello to your grace and your love and your goodness and your mercy. Hello to your peace, God. And we say goodbye to the enemy and to the doubts. Lord, we worship you today.
Lord, let your glory fall in this place. Spirit, saturate our hearts, our soul. We live for your glory. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus some praise this morning. You may be seated. we have anybody up here to do announcements. <laughs> so I'm going to wing it. You see that uh, thing on the screen there? You can take a picture of it and you can get all the announcements. Gather that. So uh, Pastor Sam, you're going to bail me out. Would you, would you, you like brother. me to bail you out? Is that, is that <laughs> what you're saying right here? Hey church, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Everybody excited to be in House of God this morning? Amen. Hey, a couple of things that we want to let you know about. One is uh, this past Wednesday, due to uh, the hurricane, we canceled Wednesday nights. Uh, so Wednesday nights are back on. So that means Wednesday night dinners uh, at 5 o'clock will be back on. And so our programs will resume. So you want to be there for that. Um, today is hey, a special day uh, in our atrium. You're going to hear next weekend um, about an emphasis on life groups. And so, but the opportunity for you to get connected in life groups is available today. And so we have some folks that are going to be in the atrium under the TVs. And if you're not connected into a small group here at Anastasia, what a beautiful opportunity to do life together. And so I encourage you to stop by. We've got a list of all of our life groups that meet on campus, off campus during the week at different times. And so um, life groups are a great way to really just do life together, to be prayed for, to be encouraged. So I encourage you to uh, stop by that. Uh, we have lots of things happening on Wednesday night. I believe our financial peace university is going to be gearing up this Wednesday. There's some info in your bulletin about that. So you want to make sure if that's something you're interested in, uh, getting debt free and just honoring the Lord uh, biblically through stewardship, uh, you can uh, join that class at 6 p.m. Uh, lots of other things that are happening in the life of the church, and we're excited uh, to continue to see how God's works. Pastor Jeremy's going to be sharing a, a word from uh, Ruth here in just a few minutes. But again, church, we're so grateful for your giving. Uh, a part of your giving helps support Florida Baptist Disaster Relief. Many people were affected on the west coast of Florida by the hurricane, and there are groups because of your support that are already helping some immediate needs over there. So we're grateful for how you contribute. If you feel like to give this morning, a couple ways you can do that is you can use uh, the QR code uh, that you saw previously, or you can use our giving boxes that are here in the atrium, the silver ones. Uh, there's some in here as well as in the vestibule. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your continued support. God has continued to move uh, for our, our buildings or coming along our faith campaign. We're seeing some exciting things and looking forward to what God has in store. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we love you. We want to give you all glory and honor uh, and just thank you so much for how you're moving and you're working within our church. God, we ask that uh, as we have a time to open your word, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, in a powerful way through Pastor Jeremy's message, Lord. Father, we are so grateful uh, for this, this congregation, uh, for how they continue to support uh, the work that you're doing here, Lord Jesus. Uh, and not just in our community, but in communities abroad, Lord. And so, Lord, we lift up those who were impacted by the hurricane. Uh, and, Lord, pray, Father, that you, uh, they would know your comfort and your peace, Lord. We love you so much and give you all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. pray that you hear the good message that God has for you this morning. 
I pray that you don't hear anything from me. I don't, it's not just me being humble, but that's just what I really pray. I don't want you to hear anything from me. I want you to hear something from the Lord. And so, um, the last time that I was on this stage in this spot, um, I uh, we told everybody uh, that I am going through a process of divorce. As um, many of you guys know in this room, this is a process that is full of pain and heartache and emotional stress. It's full of questions and expenses and so much uncertainty and on and on and on and on. And if you know somebody that's gone through this, you know that it's not something that you wish on anybody. <clears throat> and I've received so much love and support from my Anastasia Church family. And for that, I am profoundly grateful. A lot of churches could handle things a lot differently than, than this church has handled it. And um, you have all ministered to me so much and loved me so much, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, I couldn't be in a better place to be going through this, this process. The path of my life has taken a turn that I didn't expect, and I couldn't have predicted this, and I never would have chosen this path for myself. Nevertheless, here I am. So I'm not gonna bring this up Every time I preach, this is not a, a, a circumstance that defines me, but it certainly is a circumstance that has shaped me. It's shaped me into the person that I am today, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm a different person now than I was a year ago. I've learned so much about myself, about my emotions, about my personality, um, about what I'm capable of, and so on and so on. I've learned so much. I've learned um, through this process, several quotes and sayings and several songs have kind of risen to the top. And as a matter of fact, the one that we sang um, just a little bit earlier, Fear Is Not My Future, that's one of them. And that's inspired one of the titles um, of, this, of this message. And so as some of these sayings have risen to the top, two of them are gonna be the title for this message and I couldn't choose which one. So um, the title of this message is either not the path that I would have chosen or if it's not good, God's not done. And uh, just a, a little, just tiny glimpse into what my world has been. Um, I have taken, you've probably heard me talk about this before if you know me at all. I've taken to ice baths, okay? So I have, a, I have an ice bath that I do in my garage and um, it does a lot for my emotions. It does a lot for my migraine headaches. Um, it's, it's done a lot to prepare me for what I've gone through and I could talk to you for way too long about my ice baths. But <clears throat> I was sitting in that ice bath and had this little playlist going on and on. And that song that we just sang before this message was one of them and I've sitting and that ice batch is shivering and going through it and, and feeling all the inflammation going away and everything while well, I'm just shouting that song at the top of my lungs saying that if it's not good, God's not done. When it's so hard to get through and just put yourself in whatever, whatever it is that you're going through because if it's not good, God's not done working it together for good. And through this amazing story of Ruth, 
we're gonna see how God uses an unlikely path to bring himself great glory. It's crazy, but God continues to show me this. He continues to shock me that God continues to love me and continues to use me and he speaks to me and I have the opportunity, the honor to minister to these teenagers down here. It's not a job to me. It's not a position for me. It's a privilege to be down there and to love on those kids and to, to share God's word, word with them. And it is an honor and a blessing to be able to have two of my children in that ministry where I get to lead them. What a blessing that is, that I get to share with my kids and create these experiences. And God allows me to do that. Even the fact that I am standing right here right now is, it humbles me greatly and it just boggles my mind that God would use me in this capacity. So let's dig in to this crazy path that God set up for this woman named Ruth and all these people surrounding her story. So open your Bibles up to the book of Ruth, chapter four. When you get there, you can say, oh yeah, like we do in the youth group. You there already? Now when you get there, you gotta turn your Bibles, get your Bibles out. The words will be on the screen, but I wanna ask you to open up your Bible with me. If you brought a Bible, get, the, um, get, the, get your iPad out or your phone or whatever. I want to ask you to read along with me. We're gonna review just a little bit of where we've been. Ruth is a love story. The book of Ruth is a love story. If it was a movie, it would be a chick flick. Um, it's, it's largely dialogue, girls talking to girls and guys talking to guys about girls and yada, yada, yada. It's a total romantic comedy chick flick, all right? And so just to, to kind of recap where we are a little bit at this ending passage of the story of Ruth chapter four, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, which Elimelech means the Lord is my king. And he, they moved to Moab while his name is saying the Lord is my king. He moved to this place that's not even within the confounds of Israel um, in all of the 12 tribes of Judah that were all of the, the lands that they could have gone. He says the Lord is my king, but then I'm gonna move to Moab when there is a drought. And so he and um, his wife, Naomi, they moved to Moab during this drought they had two sons, and their sons married Moabite women, and they should not have done that. And then Elimelech died in Moab, and so did his sons, and Naomi is now widowed, and she decides to go back to Bethlehem, where they're from. You ever heard of that town, Bethlehem? You heard of that town, Bethlehem? You kind of know where that's going a little bit? Okay, so one of his daughters, one of, one of, uh, one of uh, her daughters-in-law stayed there, Orpah. She stayed there and started a TV show. And then um, Ruth said that she wasn't going to leave Naomi. And she coins her famous phrase, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. I will follow you. I will be with you. Um, and, and she was very adamant about that. So, so Ruth and Naomi go back to Bethlehem 
and they find Boaz. And he's a, a, young, a young man of standing. He has some land. He has some property. He's, he's valued in the, in, the, in the community. And he ends up being able to redeem her. Now, at this point in a four or five week sermon series on Ruth, I can't believe that they have, that nobody said this joke, but before Boaz got married, was he ruthless? <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know. So, um, so we see that he's the stand-up guy, and, uh, and, and, and he handled this whole thing really, really well, and we learned that women should, get ready, because there's another joke coming, women should look for a Boaz, right? They should not settle for one of his relatives, like broke as, um, or dumb as, or um, cheap as, um, I'm saying as, A-Z, right, you know, um, they shouldn't settle for one of those guys, we see they should look for a Boaz, right, this is the kind of guy that they should, that, that women should look for, and we see that then um, Boaz redeems Ruth, um, and, and he becomes what we know in the theological world as a type of Christ, Boaz is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And we see this in several other different characters in the Old Testament. And we see that Boaz redeems Ruth and it's a picture of how Jesus can redeem us. Then we come to the very, very end of this book and we see this fantastic ending to an amazing story um, here in Ruth chapter four. We're gonna read verses 13 through 22. So it goes like this. I'm reading from the CSB. Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he slept with her, and the Lord granted conception to her, and she gave birth to a son. Then women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child and placed him on her lap and became his nanny. The neighbor women said, a son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And then we come into a part of scripture that's a record. Now these are the family records of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amminadab. Amminadab fathered Nashon. And Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. And Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. We look at this passage. I wanna ask you, can, we can't choose our family, can you? But if you could, if you could choose your family, what would you choose? Would you choose to be from, from the, 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 the Florida cattle ranchers, right? You know, maybe like to, I've got some uh, Florida cattle ranchers in my, in my family line. And um, me and my cousin were like, um, asked my, my dad and my uncle, we're like, okay, so there's all these like rich Carlton cattle ranchers in the central Florida area. What happened to us, right? He said, well, long ago, there were two brothers 
and um, one of them went with the cattle ranching and one of them went with the railroad. Our side went with the railroad. So that was kind of where, where we came from. But um, I don't know, I might've liked to choose the, the cattle rancher side if I could choose. Maybe you'd like to, to choose some sort of real estate tycoon or somebody who's, who come from money or maybe doctors in, in your family or something like that or maybe some fantastic travelers or, or maybe you'd like to have more pastors in your family line. I have some really great friends who come from like a long line of, of pastors and such. We can't really choose where our, our, what our family is, but this is the family line that God chose, and he chose this because we see that God is in the business of using the unlikely for his glory. God is in the business of using the unlikely, of working awful situations together for good, for his glory. He's been doing it since the beginning of time. He's been doing it since this passage in the Old Testament, and he does that for us still today. He uses the unlikely for his glory. So as, I, as Pastor gave me this passage, you know, he says, hey, Pastor Jeremy, can you, can you preach um, in, way in the, in the future? And I said, yes, absolutely, what's the passage? He says, he gives me this passage. And so I didn't choose this, but God chose it for me. Because as soon as I read this, I was like, this is me. This is me. This is meant for me to, to bring today. As we look here, it says, um, this is the family record of Perez. Why did they start with Perez? Why didn't they start with Abraham? Why didn't they start the whole in, from Adam? But they started in Perez. So I thought, who is Perez? Perez is the illegitimate son between Judah and his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Judah, right? Does that name sound familiar? Lion of Judah, right? What's the lion of Judah? Is Jesus, right? So if all, all of the tribe, 12, the 12 tribes of Judah, right? That's like the one that you remember, Judah. And so you look back at the story of Judah in Genesis chapter 38, you see that, that uh, Judah was not gonna have a son and his daughter-in-law, Tamar, dresses up like a prostitute and goes into the town. When Judah comes into the town, he finds himself a prostitute and he's like, oh, okay. So he sleeps with her and he doesn't have any money to pay her. So he gives her some of his stuff and then he goes back to get the money to pay her. And then, and then when he comes back, she's gone. And then she gets pregnant with twins and she comes back with, and, she, with, and she's pregnant. And they're like, well, who's who's the father? And she's like, well, he, he, she comes to him and she says, who's ever stuff this is? And he's like, aghast, that's my stuff. And then so he's like, whoa, this is crazy. Perez actually was, was supposed to be the second kid, but he stuck his hand out. They tied a little, a little thread around it and then he pulled it back in and then his brother was born first. So he kind of stole the birthright of being first out and then he came, actually came out second, but he was considered the firstborn. And this is Perez, the illegitimate son of Judah and Tamar. That doesn't sound like a family line I would like to start, I would like to remind people of. I'd be like, let's just keep that one a little bit quieter, okay? Just don't bring, don't bring up Judah and Perez again, okay? But that's, that's where we start right here. Doesn't quite sound like the path that I would have chosen, but we don't know much about Hezron. We don't know much about Amenadab um, <clears throat> other than he was Aaron's father-in-law. I believe that, um, that the... the uh, the brother of Moses, Aaron, maybe, father-in-law, other than he was Aaron's father-in-law. We don't know much about Nashon. And then we get to Salmon. 
Salmon married Rahab, the prostitute. We learn from Matthew chapter 5 when it goes through that long genealogy. Rahab, the prostitute. So Salmon may have been one of the spies that went to Jericho before the, the Joshua, and they walked around Jericho, and they walked around six days, and on the seventh day, they walked around six times, and then on the seventh time, then they shouted, and they did a whole thing, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, right? You remember that story? So they went in to spy it out, and they came across this woman, Rahab, who was a prostitute. I wonder what they were doing there. How did they meet Rahab? And she gives them aid, and she um, gives them refuge, and they say, thank you so much, thank you so much. And she said, well, you just remember me when you destroy our city. They said, sure thing, Rahab the prostitute. They go, and they march around. The walls come, come tumbling down. And then they find Rahab and her whole family, and they save her, and she comes into the family of Israel. She marries Salmon. Salmon was an, uh, or she was an outsider, she was not an Israelite, but she, and, and she surely had some baggage. She surely had a story. She surely was not proud of the life that she had lived. And Salmon still married her. He looked at her present, not her past. He didn't care what other people said because you know they were talking about them. Can you believe that Salmon is gonna marry her? Yeah. I can't believe it. What in the world is he thinking? That ain't gonna end up good, right? And then so, but, but, and she didn't let her past define her. And Salmon and Rahab birthed and raised Boaz. Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, the outsider, was Boaz's mom. What kind of mother was she? I don't know, she probably didn't have all sorts of, of motherly instinct and the best upbringing herself if she landed herself a job as a prostitute. But what I bet you she didn't know is she did know how to give somebody a second chance. She probably had a very soft heart, a, a spot in her heart for the person who was sitting just on the outside of the circle because that was her. She got a whole new life by being brought into the nation of Israel. And she changed enough that she probably sat and told Boaz when he was little, look out for the person that's on the outside. Give somebody a second chance. Don't judge somebody based on what you see on the outside. But look at their potential. Look at, listen to who they really are because there's a lot of people that are hurting. I was hurting and your dad loved me, and your dad brought me in. I wanna challenge you, Boaz. Be like your dad. Be like that. Find yourself a good girl, and, and, and on and on and on. And then Boaz had a tender heart, and he married an outsider from Moab, Ruth. And we know what that story looked like. So that's all Boaz's side. Let's look at Ruth's side for a little bit in this path that I wouldn't have chosen. Okay, so Ruth was from Moab. Where did Moab come from? If you look at, uh, what is it, Genesis 19, you see where Moab came from. 
You know, you had Abraham, right? You had Abraham, the father of all the nations and all that sort of stuff. You had Abraham and Isaac and all that came from him. But then um, he had a nephew, Lot. And Lot was there and they start splitting up the land. And Abraham and Lot go their separate ways and Lot goes and living in his area. And he's actually found in Genesis 19, living in a cave with his two daughters. And they weren't gonna have a son, he had two daughters. And his two daughters come in and say, we gotta keep our family line going. So what did they do? They got dad drunk. Um, She said, we get dad drunk and maybe we could sleep with him and hopefully one of us will have a boy. So one daughter goes in, she gets him drunk, she sleeps with him, she gets pregnant. The next night, she, the, the next daughter goes in, they get him drunk again, and so, and even says like, he didn't even know what happened. He was that drunk. She goes in, she sleeps with him, she gets pregnant. So both of the daughters get pregnant. They both have sons, and what do they name them? Moab and Ammon. If you've ever heard of the Ammonites and the Moabites, came from an incestuous relationship with, Lot's, uh, with Lot and his daughters, the nephew of Abraham. So in a lot of ways, Moabites were like, well, we're kind of kin to the Israelites. We're kind of kin, but the Israelites are like, you are not anything like us. And so they said, they said, you guys have to have all of your land way outside, and Moab is that area, and that's those people. And that's the, the history that Ruth came from. That is her heritage. So then when, when Ruth is there in Moab, she marries some dude that isn't from Moab and they can't have kids for like 10 years. It said that, that uh, the, the two sons and Elimelech, their dad, they lived in Moab for 10 years. The boys married, married uh, outside, they married Moabite women and they couldn't have kids. Why? Did God shut up their wombs, make them barren? I don't know, was it just something in the water? I don't know, but for a long time, they couldn't have kids. And so Ruth is probably like, what did I do to deserve this? Can you imagine the circumstance? She's like, everything that, that it makes you a woman is being able to have kids and be a mother and have a house and those kinds of things, right, in that day. And so, and so here she is, she married some outsider, and then her father-in-law dies, her husband dies, and then his brother dies, and she's got no kids. And she's in this place with, this other, with Naomi, and can you imagine, day after day, week after week, she might have been sitting in her ice bath. She probably would have loved to sit in an ice bath, but thinking like, when is this ever gonna end? How am I gonna get through this? What is, this is not the path that I would have chosen for myself. How, is, how am I going to endure? What is ever gonna become of me? She was working, and then, and then she goes and she stays with Naomi. She says, I'll go with you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. And she thinks, maybe there's gonna be a new life. And she gets there, and they don't know anybody. She finds a field. She's working day after day after day after day after day after week after week, and she just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And she's probably thinking, this is not good. But let me remind you that if it's not good, God's not done. Because we now know the end of the story. We now know where, she was, where, where God was going with all of this. But in that moment, I guarantee you, she had no idea how it was gonna work. 
And I don't know how my situation is going to pan out. I don't know what tomorrow is gonna bring, what the next four weeks is going to bring. But what is God working together for good in your life? What are you going through? You don't know how it's gonna work out for good. Maybe, this, maybe your path has taken a turn that you wouldn't choose. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's a sickness or disease of a family member. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's just something personal that you're struggling, struggling through. But I wanna tell you this morning that if it's not good, God's not done. Because he is in the business of taking the broken pieces of our life, the broken pieces of this world, and turning it into something good. This book started with three funerals, and it ends with a marriage and a baby. I told you it was a chick flick, right? And then we get to this passage here where this baby comes along. And Obed means worshiper. It means servant of God. Can you imagine Ruth knowing this last 10 years of her life and her heritage that is just full of hurt? And then when she has a son, she names him servant of God, worshiper. He was the father of David, the king of Israel. David's grandmother would have been Ruth. And David's great-grandmother, I, how many of you ever knew your great-grandmother? I knew mine a little bit when I was little. I knew her, okay? She shared stories with me. I knew that she liked owls. She had gobs of collections of owls. I knew she liked puzzles. And she told me not to go upstairs because that's where the wolf was. I don't know. There was like a wolf upstairs. I was terrified, right? But I knew my, my great-grandmother, although she told me stories. I saw where she traveled. She had a globe with pins all over it and stuff like that, right? David's great-grandmother would have been Rahab the prostitute. Crazy. King David. Not quite the path that I would have chosen. This whole family is full of brokenness. It's full of sinfulness. It's full of pain and hurt. You know why? Because life is suffering. It is. God is near to the brokenhearted. That's the God that we know. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of the Bible. He comes near to us in our suffering. That's what he does. That's who he is. He is slow to anger. He is quick to listen. Jesus came not to serve, or not to be served, but to serve. He, he, he healed the sick. He came to visit the lame and those who were homeless. He said in, in Job chapter five, verse 11, it says that he sets the lowly on high and he lifts up those who mourn. He leans in to those who are tearful, who are crying, who are hurting. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse four, it says that he will wipe away our tears. He's not a God who says, oh, I don't wanna touch somebody if they're crying, you babies. He says, I will come in close and I will wipe your tears. I will restore you. God will redeem us. He is with us in this suffering. You can give God some praise for that. 
And one might not choose for a revival to start in a little town called St. Augustine in the, con- in the contemporary service at 9 a.m. He might, you might not say that, that you are the one that it should start with. You might think, that's not me. I wouldn't choose that. I'm not the likely kind of person. You don't know my history. You don't know my baggage. You don't know my story. Yeah, well, I know the God of the Bible, and I'm seeing their history. I'm seeing their story. Maybe it seems too late for God to move in your life. And maybe you're not, you don't feel like you're the right kind of person for God to use. Maybe it's something in your past. But I'll tell you what, a youth pastor who's going through divorce is not supposed to be on this stage right now. And is not supposed to be bringing a message like this right now. But praise God that he uses us broken people in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our baggage, in spite of uh, all of the hurt in our life. God turned Rahab into a mother who raised a man of standing. God turned Boaz and he brought him a wife out of nowhere. God turned Naomi from a woman of bitterness into a grandmother full of joy with a grandson named worshiper. God made Ruth, who was an outsider, into a woman who was in the line of eternal royalty. Ruth was barren, unable to have children, and now she's remembered in the Bible forever. What do you think God could do with your life if you just let him? Because it doesn't just happen to everybody. God works through us. He makes something beautiful when he changes our life through the blood of Jesus. It's not just something that everybody is entitled to. It only comes through the saving work of God through the blood of Jesus. Maybe your path is not the path that you would have chosen. Maybe this is not the story that you would have written. But if it's not good, God's not done. And I believe God's not done with me. I believe God's not done with you. Maybe today you wanna make a decision for the Lord. Maybe today you want to step forward and say, I want to finally give my heart, my life to him. I want to do that for real. If that's you, I want you to come up here and tell me about it. Come up here and tell one of our counselors about it. Say it to a person on the aisle right next to you if you want to. Maybe today you want to say that you want to recommit your life to the Lord. I tell the students all the time, you can walk a thousand steps away from God, but it only takes one to come back to him. Maybe you want to let that be today. Maybe you want to come forward and take that step of obedience and say yes to being baptized. If you do, we're going to sing a song here. And even if you just want to come to pray, we call this an altar. They're just steps. But an altar is where you do business with God. And so if you want to come and just pray and and lay it out before the Lord, let this song, what we're about to sing, be the one that you, you do some business with the Lord. But if you have a decision you'd like to make, you want to come share that with me or one of our counselors, you can do that as well. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this message. We thank you for your word that encourages us, that shows us who you are. 
You are not a God who is far away and uninvolved with our lives. You're not sleeping in some far off galaxy, but you are here. You meet us where we are, but you refuse to leave us that way. You wanna bring us to a new place that brings you glory. And praise God, praise you that you are that kind of a God. Lord, I pray that salvation will come to your house this morning. I pray that the people will hear you and see you and experience you and feel you and your presence and your love and your forgiveness and your power. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. As we sing this next song, if you feel led to move or make a decision, decision you go ahead and do it.